find someone who's doing what you're interested in and reach out to them. Every guest I've had has always been like, reach out to me, talk to me, DM me, ask me questions. And I think that that's the best thing you could do is really have those conversations with someone who's doing what you're interested in to really find out what it's been like for them. Hi, I'm Tori Mystic, and you're listening to the Wear, Wag, Repeat podcast, the only show dedicated to supporting women in all areas of the pet industry. In this episode, we are diving into the world of animal-assisted therapy with Sherry Rohde, a therapy dog expert who revealed some surprising ways pets can help us in therapy. Sherry holds a master's degree in marriage and family therapy. She's a professional dog trainer, and she's the host of Therapy Dog Talk, an Instagram live show turned podcast dedicated to interviewing therapy dog teams around the world to learn more about their experiences. In this conversation, we discuss the benefits of animal-assisted therapy and how pets can help clients achieve their therapy goals. Sherry describes different types of animal-assisted methods, including play therapy. Sherry also offers advice for those interested in becoming a therapy dog team themselves. And for the other podcasters listening, I know you're out there, we chat for a few minutes at the end about some of the latest software that's making the Therapy Dog Talk podcast easier to produce and more accessible to Sherry's followers. If you enjoy this interview, I would absolutely love if you left me a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. Just click five stars and write a short little description of what you think of the Wear, Wag, Repeat podcast, and maybe on a future episode, I will read your review and give you a little shout out on the show. Sherry Rohde has loved animals for as long as she can remember. When she learned that she could incorporate animals as partners in her work as a therapist, she wanted to learn more. She quickly discovered that finding out how to get started as a therapy dog team was often challenging. That sparked her to connect with other pet therapy teams on Instagram and create an Instagram live series, which is now a podcast called Therapy Dog Talk, where she hosts weekly conversations with pet therapy teams and researchers. Sherry has over a decade of experience building communities in tech, a master's in marriage and family therapy, and a pro dog trainer certification through Absolute Dogs. She loves to connect current and aspiring therapy dog teams with the people, skills, and resources they need to be successful. Sherry lives in Los Angeles, California with her two pups, Sunny and Riley, who are both training to work alongside her in animal-assisted play therapy, if they so choose. (laughs) Hi, Sherry. Hi. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm so excited to talk to you. We've known each other for a long time, and you graciously had me on your podcast, so I'm excited to flip the script on you. Yeah, I'm excited too. So... You have quite the impressive resume there, um, you know, with a master's in marriage and family therapy, but then also on the flip side, dog trainer certification, which doesn't really seem to go hand in hand. Um, But you've created this amazing, unique niche that 
you know, when you, when I hear you talk about it, it just makes perfect sense. I'm like, why isn't everyone doing this? <laughs> so, um, tell us a little bit about your, your path and your journey and what, what led you here. Yeah, absolutely. So I am someone who really just kind of follows threads of interest. There's always so many things that I'm interested in. And when I started pursuing therapy work, it was really what's next for me, trying to figure out like what's next, what to look forward to, because I just needed a change. And at first I was like, oh, maybe I'll follow art therapy because I have a background in art. But that just didn't work out for my life for multiple reasons that we don't need to get into. And along the way, while I was working on my master's, I found out about animal assisted therapy. And I was familiar with therapy dogs from the Instagram world. I find that a lot of people get familiar with therapy dogs through the Instagram world. Interesting. Yeah. And so I was really excited when I found out that the two connect and actually um, at the same time, I felt like I had really maxed out what I could learn in our local training program. So Sunny had her canine good citizen title at that point and her novice trick title. And I really was looking for something more because I felt like there was a lot of missing pieces there, even though we had those titles. I think until you get them, you think that they're this like ultimate achievement of your dog is perfect. And then once you have them, you're like, well, actually, I feel like there's so much that I don't know, or at least that was my experience. And so I started pursuing the pro dog trainer program through Absolute Dogs, which is all concept training and games based. And so, for example, you're like, oh, I need to work on optimism with my dog. So I'm going to play these three games to help build optimism in my dog. And as I was learning about that and about dog psychology, I really saw the overlap with my master's program because like any sane person, I was doing a master's in a dog training program at the same time. <laughs> and, um, and I was like, oh, this is so cool, like how similar human psychology and dog psychology is. And I started to really get a lot of ideas of how, okay, so if I'm building optimism in my dog, then how do I build optimism in myself? Because I've built such a great relationship with my dog, which is a great thing, but we're so connected that if I'm really anxious or pessimistic about a situation, she feels that and it transfers to her. And so I got really excited about that overlap. And then as I discovered more into the animal assisted counseling world, animal assisted play therapy, I discovered it's actually very common <laughs> to have the therapy and dog training backgrounds combined for people who are in those roles, which is really interesting. Some people are therapists first and then become dog trainers because they want to bring their dogs and work with them. And some people start out as dog trainers and then become therapists because they really realize it's the people that they enjoy working with. And so it's very, very interesting that it is a common combination in that world. But I didn't know that until I had already pursued both worlds. So Yeah, I never knew that. It seems like you have to kind of be in it to know it. Yeah, definitely. And so you know, I hear you talking about animal-assisted therapy mm -hmm. and animal-assisted play therapy. How prominent is that methodology, um, and is it is it being utilized um, kind of across the board with with different kind of cases, or is it really specific? Yeah, so it's not super prominent, but people have been integrating animals in therapy work all the way back to Freud in like the 1930s, actually, maybe even before then, but that's the first like documented case of it, I believe that we're aware of anyway. And so 
animal assisted therapy is not specific to mental health therapy. That can be any professional that's using their dog in, with goal orient, um, with goals in mind. So goal oriented animal assisted therapy. And it's when occupational therapists might be integrating dogs into their work, mental health therapists, um, and sometimes even yeah, there's there's several. <laughs> I'm like kind of blanking off the top of my head right now. Um, and so then animal assisted play therapy. So within the therapeutic world, within mental health world, there's a modality called play therapy. And it's oftentimes used with children, but it can be used with adults as well. And it's just going off the concept that, you know, like as children, um, chi- the child's language is play. And so allowing them to express themselves through play is oftentimes more helpful than talk therapy. And so bringing the dog into that world or a different animal into that world, um, I know Pet Partners recognizes like eight or nine different species. So there's multiple, but dogs are the most common. Bringing them into that world then helps unlock that even more for the child because the dog is just a really non-judgmental being that sometimes it's easier for them to trust and talk to and interact with, which then transfers to the therapist. And so when you say animal assisted play therapy, am I saying that correctly? Yes. (laughs) Um, Is it literally just like playing like fetch and chasing in the yard? And is it that kind of playing or is it more structured? It can't be either. So within play therapy, there's um, goal-directed play therapy and then child-centered play therapy where the child leads it. So it really depends on which modality you're following. Uh, Dr. Risa Van Fleet actually started animal-assisted play therapy along with her colleague who um, tackles everything from the equine side. And they really coined this because they were integrating animals into their actual play therapy work. So sometimes the animal is um, in this kind of fantasy world that the child is creating or interacting with different toys that they're playing with. And other times it is things like, okay, like put the treats in this dog puzzle and let the dog find them and different things like that. So there's a lot of different interventions that you can do definitely. And sometimes it is as simple as playing fetch with the dog. Yeah, that's that's so interesting. And I could see how, you know, someone who is maybe withdrawn or introverted playing with a dog can just make them can kind of put them at ease. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, okay. In addition to your pro dog trainer certification and your master's degree, you also recently, um, completed a new program, correct? Yes. Yes. So I joined the association of animal assisted intervention professionals, when they launched last year, it's a sister organization of pet partners that's targeted at the professionals who are working with dogs or other animals. I default to dogs on everything. So I'm sure you can relate. I do too. I, and you know, this is pet industry. So I, I try to diversify to like cats and ferrets and horses, yes. but there's just so many awesome dog things going on. Yes. Yeah. And actually it's interesting when you get into the professional side a lot of there's you can find equine therapy a lot more often than professionals who work with dogs, which is very interesting. But um, it's just been I mean, a little. More I developed. think of that too. Like even there's that Sandra Bullock movie, Twenty Eight Days, not to mm-hmm. be confused with Twenty Eight Days Later, which is Apocalypse. Right. Um, <laughs> but the Sandra Bullock one, she is in a rehab, and they have to go to these horses and convince the horse to let them pick up their hoof, yes. and it takes her like the full twenty eight days to get to her, the horse allowing her to do that. Yeah, and that's 
that's a pretty prominent feature of equine therapy, I think. Mm -hmm. It was also in the latest season of Queer Eye. They did, they had equine therapy in that season with um, the director of Safe, Safe in Austin, which is a program in Austin that connects animals with children and the animals have special needs and so do the children. They match them up and it's, it's really powerful, but yeah. Awesome. So this new, um, is it a certification? I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry. I derailed. (laughs) No, I just want to make sure I'm calling it the right thing because you're just, you have so many (laughs) accolades. Yes. So they offer a certification called certified animal assisted intervention specialist. Um, and so I actually just passed that, I guess about a month ago or maybe a couple weeks ago, I've lost all track of time. So now I can say I'm a certified animal assisted intervention specialist, which means that I was tested in areas of animal welfare and zoonoses and um, therapy, handling, positive dog training, things like that. And so why did you decide to kind of add that to your resume? Um, you know, what did you learn in there that was different from all the other studies that you'd done? Yeah, I did it for a couple of reasons. Um, one was my dog, Sunny, my three-year-old dog, Sunny, um, has, like I said, been largely connected to my anxiety. <laughs> and so last year was challenging for us. And we haven't passed a therapy dog test. She is a perfect therapy dog when we're out and about with people. And then when we go test, my anxiety impacts her and we don't pass. So, um, and so for me, it was a way to really address my own imposter syndrome in some ways, but also to show that I do have knowledge and expertise in this area because the certification is based on your knowledge as the human and not on your dog's ability. So it doesn't certify her, it certifies me. It also gives me the ability to work with other volunteer therapy dog teams in my work as a therapist. So I could bring in with the client's permission, a different team and interact with them that way, which is often recommended for someone who has not worked with their dog in a professional setting yet anyway, so that they don't have to balance handling the dog and the client right away, they can get used to the dog being in the room first. That makes a lot of sense. And and I can totally relate when I did the therapy dog test with Lucy, which was a while ago, it was back in 2018 or 2019. Um, I was so nervous going into that test mm-hmm. because I, I'm like, when's the last time I had to take a test and be evaluated and pass something like as an adult, you don't really encounter that that often. And uh, I was very nervous. And when we walked into the f- the testing facility, I'd never been there before. And it was like a cinder block building with a steel door with no windows. So I was even more nervous because I was like, I can't tell what's inside. Yeah. And I, I opened the door and Lucy like darted in in front of me and the evaluator was in there and was like, she better not do that on the test. And I was like, oh my God, this is so stressful. Yes. Yes, definitely. <laughs> So, you know, and I, and I, I could see how, you know, when I'm on therapy dog visits, my top priority is managing Lucy. Mm -hmm. And so then to be able to, you know, to have to manage your dog and your therapy client, that's a lot. So it's kind of nice to bring in an extra team. Definitely. So tell us more about your podcast. How long has the therapy dog talk podcast been going on? 
Yeah, so it's been going on. Let's see. Therapy Dog Talk started in, I think, September of 2019. No, 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 no. 2021. Yes, 2021. <laughs> we live in a time warp. 2021. <laughs> <laughs> what decade is it? I don't even know. <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, <laughs> so it's actually kind of funny how it started. Um, I had re- been reached out to by... Adele Saka, who is a a social worker who works with her dog, Rosie. She's actually on one of the early episodes. And she was starting a DM group on Instagram with some other therapy dogs. And some of us were certified. Some of us were not yet. But we were all kind of on that journey together. And it was a fun way to connect. It was early pandemic days. And so I got to know a lot of therapy dog teams through there and really enjoyed interacting with them. And so as I was learning more about therapy dogs and wanting to involve it in professional work, I really enjoyed having conversations with them. And I started doing, I reached out to Barbara um, with Carmel Golden Doodle at the time was her handle and asked, you know, would you like to do an Instagram live together about your experiences volunteering with Carmel? Um, Carmel. And she, she was totally on board. She was also promoting a new book at the time, which is always helpful. But (laughs) so that was really fun. We went live together. And I mostly was drawing from others in that group at the time, just scheduling conversations together. It's kind of like grabbing coffee with a friend and talking about our dogs is really how it feels. And it reached a point where we had been going week after week and someone was like, I would really love to consume this in a podcast format. Had you ever considered that? And so initially I was just putting the raw audio from the lives, which is a bit rough, (laughs) onto a podcast format and allowing people to consume it that way. And so it's really just grown from there. Um, It's been quite fun because sometimes people reach out because they found me on the podcast and then they find me on Instagram and because we go live via Instagram live, which isn't always probably the best solution if you want to be incredibly particular about your podcast audio, but I find it really fun because it really brings people together in a community format and people who are watching can ask questions for the person and it's just, I enjoy it. I enjoy the live component. So it is nice to have that interaction. And um, like you said, the community, because you do have people who show up every week and ask questions and are fans. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of them end up becoming guests too. So whenever I see them like really interacting, I'm like, Hey, you know, you should be on. (laughs) So, but it's really fun because it's grown to the point now where I have a link that people can fill out to apply if they're interested and they come to me. And so it's less scrambling finding guests. Like I think we're scheduled out like four months right now, which is pretty wild. That's awesome. I'm jealous of you because uh, I do not schedule that far in advance. (laughs) That is okay. (laughs) I never thought I would be scheduled out that far in advance, but it's kind of nice to not scramble each week. No, it it is very nice. Um, You're very organized, Sherry. I'm always envious of your organization skills. Um, So, in addition to having the podcast on Instagram live and a podcast feed, you've also been sharing it to YouTube. So yeah. tell us a little bit about that because I, that's just seems like a hot topic everywhere I turn. People are like talking about YouTube lately, which is interesting. 
Yeah. So YouTube, again, was a suggestion from someone in the community. A lot of the things I do are suggestions from people who watch the show. And there was someone who was watching it and Instagram used to allow you to just publish your lives, um, your Instagram live straight to your feed as video posts. And they were part of IGTV at the time, which sounds, seems so long ago now. But it wasn't I know. Long. IGTV just disappeared. And you could add, um, you could tell it to post the captions, the live captions, but it didn't always do so. And I didn't have any control over that. I would tell it to, and then it just wouldn't do it. And then later on, one of the factors was also because once they merged all the video formats together, it could only be 15 minutes. And also no one's going to watch a 15 minute video in the reels tab. It's just different. But someone had reached out because they didn't have the captions. And they're like, I would really love to consume this, but I really need captions. Can you caption it? And so the for, the best solution I found was to publish the recording to YouTube and add proper closed captions where I actually went through and fixed everything so that names are spelled correctly, URLs are correct, things like that. And you can really understand what people are saying rather than the robot generated jitterish. <laughs> and so that's how I started getting involved on YouTube. And then recently, just recently, like a week or so ago, I think YouTube added a podcast feature. So now I'm able to set my therapy dog talk playlist on YouTube as a podcast playlist. And it will actually publish that into their podcast area and onto the YouTube audio app, which is pretty cool. Yeah, very cool. And are you also did I hear that you're using Descript? I am. Yes. Do you like yeah, it? I do. I do. It's interesting because I've seen a lot of rumblings in the community about how it's not as good as it used to be, but it's saving me so much time. And not only is it faster for editing, and I really like was reluctant to start using it because I have professional training in audio editing and video editing. And I was like, I don't need that tool. That's for people who don't know how to do that. I was wrong. It's so much faster. It allowed me to catch up on my backlog, which is really important to me for people who want to consume the episodes and who were guests on episodes that haven't been published yet. But also due to the nature of how it works, by the time I'm done editing the episode, my closed caption subtitles are done and my transcript is done, which makes everything else so much easier. And it's also really easy to grab out clips to share as reels and YouTube shorts and Pinterest pins, et cetera. So, yeah. Descript in, are you editing the video in there too, or just the audio? Um, so I just edit for the audio and it edits the video at the same time. Okay. But when I edit, I'm editing to make sure that it sounds right, which means the video sometimes looks like chop, 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 chop. I don't care. Like my focus is the audio, but it's nice to have the video available for people who maybe want to lip read or they want to see the dog because sometimes the dog is present and things like that. Yeah. Well, it's also, it's nice, I think, and I'm saying this as someone who doesn't publish any of the videos of my podcast. <laughs> um, it is nice to see people's faces and it kind of can help you relate to them too. Yeah, definitely. So in interviewing all of these people and in all the work that you're doing, um, what are some tips on how someone can get started as a pet therapy team? Yeah, so it's interesting to me because there's a lot of things that you just discover along the way that you don't know that you need to know <laughs> until you find them. Um, so I actually put together a guide on this and the areas that I like to look at is 
you know, what types of environments are you and your dog both comfortable in? Are you comfortable in medical environments? Are you comfortable with children or comfortable in crowded um, public spaces like maybe the airport? And so there's just a variety of different options that are available. And I think that that's really important that you find somewhere that both you and your animal are comfortable. And then another one is looking at a lot of lifestyle things. So people have different preferences around what they feed their dog or tighter testing or um, different things like that that can impact um, what organization they volunteer through. So that's really important as well. And knowing if you want to work with your dog professionally or if you want to volunteer with your dog or both can make a difference in organizations. Um, the training is really the easy part because no matter what organization you're going through, their test is going to be so similar to the AKC Canine Good Citizen test, CGC, that um, does everyone that listens to this podcast know AKC is American Kennel Club? I feel like I, they probably do. I think so. I think that's a term we can safely use. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> the AKC CGC or the American Kennel Club Canine Good Citizen Test. It, it's such a mouthful. And and, and also, Lucy, you, you were talking about the trick dog certification with Sunny. Lucy just got her intermediate, and I didn't realize that was called the TKI. Yeah. So they're like, congratulations on your AKC TKI. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. Sunny has more letters behind her name than I do at this point. So does Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> that was also one of the reasons I wanted to do the certification for the um, animal-assisted intervention specialist. Those are my first professional letters behind my name. So you just wanted to have more letters than Sunny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she still has me beat, I think. <laughs> It's a competition. Anyway, <laughs> that she doesn't know she's in. <laughs> um, so yeah, so those are the big things is knowing what kind of environments you're comfortable in, what kind of people you're comfortable being around, um, what kind of lifestyle things are important to you for you and your dog. And then uh, just the training component, which really is working on your relationship together and working towards being able to pass that CGC. It's not required by most organizations, but their test is going to be very similar to it. Yeah. And so do you have uh, some resources where people can go to find out more about getting certified? Yeah, absolutely. So probably the best starting point selfishly would be I put together a guide that you can find at freeguide.therapydogtalk.com. And that is on how to get started as a therapy dog team. And it goes over those areas, um, as well as a couple of other things that I think should be considered when you're wanting to get started, or maybe recently got started, and there's things you still need to really think about. So that, that's there. And then really looking at the episodes of Therapy Dog Talk. So if you go to therapydogtalk.com, I actually put together on the right hand, everything is tagged. So you can click on like airport therapy dogs or even like golden retrievers or Labradors. And you can just see the different people who are involved in these different things. Find someone who's doing what you're interested in and reach out to them. Every guest I've had has always been like, reach out to me, talk to me, DM me, ask me questions. And I think that that's the best thing you could do is really have those conversations with someone who's doing what you're interested in to really find out what it's been like for them. Yeah. And I love that you have such a variety of people too, because um, that's something I love to tell people about is that, yeah, you can, people always think of going to the hospitals, but I personally do not like going to hospitals. And so I have never volunteered at a hospital with Lucy. Um, and, and that's like the number one thing that I think most people 
most regular people picture when they think of a therapy dog. Um, but there's so many different places that you can go. Yeah, definitely. Schools is another big one. I don't think I mentioned that, but that's a big one too. Yeah. And libraries. I mean, we could go on and on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Sherry, this has been so exciting. I also want to plug that you are coming out with an online course. I am. You're making sure I get it done. Yes, I am. Holding you accountable. <laughs> <laughs> I sure am. And so, like I mentioned earlier, I really saw the alignment of human psychology and dog psychology through the different programs that I've been in. Um, and so I really wanted to put a, together a course that combines that. So I am working on a course that currently is called Life Skills for Therapy Dog Teams. And it's looking at three or four key areas for therapy dogs and their handlers and how they can tackle it. So the example I gave earlier for optimism, there would be three games that you can play with your dog on how to build optimism in them at the same time as then a lesson for you on how to build optimism in yourself. So That sounds awesome. I'm so excited to see it come together. And I just want to also mentioned that like, I've almost never heard of a dog trainer saying training for optimism. Usually it's like training your dog to stay in their place or training your dog to loosely loose leash walk. Um, but training your dog for optimism is just such a fascinating concept and, um, something that sounds so valuable. Yeah. I really enjoy learning about dogs that way, maybe because it parallels so well with what I've learned for people, but it really is concept-based, which is what's underlying those skills, right? So their ability to be calm, calmness is one of those skills. Their ability to be calm underlies their ability to sit and wait or their ability to leave it um, is self-control. And so there's all these different concepts that really underlie it that are pretty easy to understand even if you know nothing about dog training because we all know what confidence is we all know what it means to be able to disengage from something whether or not we can do it (laughs) so yes well so this this kind of combines people training and dog training which i've always believed that dog training is mainly people training anyhow so (laughs) (laughs) um so sherry you've already mentioned um freeguide.therapydogtalk.com dot com. Yeah. Um, but where can people find you on Instagram? At therapy dog talk on Instagram. It's the best place to find me. Um, if you just want to follow my cute pups, they're at Sunny's best life, but that's also linked from the therapy dog talk account. So. Okay. Awesome. Everybody go say hi to Sherry. Um, check out the therapy dog resources and thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. It was really fun. Some of the best conversations happen after the episode. Send me a note on Instagram at wherewagrepeat or find even more women petpreneurs to connect with in our private Facebook group called Where Wag Repeat Labs. If you want to dig into more episodes, resources to grow your business, or find a link to something we discussed, it is all right there for you at wherewagrepeat.com. I'll see you back here next Wednesday for a fresh conversation.